0: Hi, my name is Olivier Vignon, coach of the Flyers. Hey, I'm Travis Connectney. Hi, I'm Paul Holgren. Hi, I'm Matt Escanel. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. Hi, I'm Joel Faraby. Hi, it's Derek Grant. Hi, this is Bob Clark. You're you're listening to Snow the Goalie. 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 Snow the
1: Goalie. Snow the Goalie. Oh, yes! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in. The Snow the Goalie, the Only Flyers Podcast, the People's Podcast, the Players Podcast, Prognosticators Podcast, Presidential Podcast, People's Podcast, the Players Podcast, The Life Podcast, the Pampers Podcast, Prongercast, Canubalcast, Sharpcast. You know, let's just call it what it is: the potential number one seed in the Eastern Conference Podcast. I'm Russ Joy at Joy and Broad, joined by you know, kind of like the unofficial third member of the Snow the Goalie team at this point. <laughs> You've seen him on TV over on NBC Sports Philadelphia. The man, the myth, the legend, Colby Cohen is here to break down the Flyers' decimation, dismantling of the Washington Capitals. Colby, how are you? I'm good.
0: I mean, we've had hockey on since actually today was kind of disappointing. The games didn't start till two. There was no noon game, which is kind of disappointing for the routine right now. But you know, you can't beat the fact that we have hockey on from noon to about two o'clock in the morning. The NHL is going to need to figure out a way to do this when, you know, everything goes back to normal.
1: It's almost like an embarrassment of riches, right? Because we spent months trying to find anything. And then it was like the Bundesliga is back, which doesn't, you know, tickle everyone's fancy. And then it was like, well, ESPN's getting the Korean Baseball League. Like, are you really going to wake up to watch that?
0: I watched a Korean Baseball League game. Did you really? Just because I was, I was curious to see how they were going to broadcast it. Okay. That was where my curiosity was.
1: Did the blow-up dolls, like, was that, was that passable <laughs> in, in your eyes? Oh,
0: uh, man, they'll, they'll do anything over there.
1: like the teddy bears that we saw in Europe uh, in some soccer leagues? Do you like the uh, cardboard cutouts the Phillies are rocking?
0: I, I actually do like that. When I Seriously. flip the Phillies on really quick, I, I, it, it doesn't, like, it just registers as normal to me when I see
1: it. I absolutely hate it. I hate it so much. I want to talk to you because I I know it's been a while since uh we've talked and we haven't talked since the uh the the bubble got set up. I do want to get your thoughts on how you think the presentation of the of the the game looks and we'll kind of compare things, but before we get into that, we need to talk about this Flyers win over the Capitals and uh you know, I we didn't get to get your thoughts on the Boston game, but now in back-to-back games this team has managed to take down the team that had 100 points in the regular season more than any other team that also happens to have a Jack Adams and a Selkie Trophy finalist uh, in uh, Cassidy and in – I'm um, 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 not helping you. Bergeron. Bergeron. There it is. <laughs> uh, I kept thinking, like, who's the Tom Bergeron? That's it. The guy from uh, Dancing with the Stars. Every time I think of Bergeron, I'm like, that's my guy. Not nah. – uh well, Bergie's
0: took... not a good dancer i can tell you that i've no? seen him dance he's not how a bad, good dancer how
1: bad of a dancer is he
0: he's not a good dancer was he he's almost as center? cringy
1: as that pause that it was like <laughs> while i was thinking of... so yeah. they they dismantled boston and then they've had success against the capitals all year I, like we went into this game and anthony and i talked about the fact that like washington they won the first game of the season between these two, they won it an overtime. And then the flyers went on a run where I, I think it was 16 to seven was the goal uh, goals for and goals against in those next three games between the flyers and caps. Like they've done a good job. Brian Elliott got the start, ruffled some feathers in the analytics com- uh, community who are very upset to see old man, Brian Elliott in there. They don't like the moose apparently. Um, but they, they came out and, and I don't know it to never really feel like this result was in question. How, what did you think? Uh, one of Brian Elliott. Let's let's give the man some credit. And two about the Flyers, you know, overall performance in this one. Well, put it to you this way: when the
0: Flyers were up two nothing in this game, I I knew they were going to win. I mean, I, they have played a, a style of hockey from you know, let's call it Christmas on where you trust them. I mean, they've built up trust now that when they get ahead. They're going to stay ahead, and even if a team cuts the deficit, they're going to stay with it. Um, You know, what's been impressive to me in the way that the Flyers have played in these first two games, and I'm not even looking at the other teams as much because I just don't think the Bruins have played well at all. I mean, I think that's well documented. They were missing Posternak the whole training camp. They haven't had um, Andre Kajet, and, like, you know, they had Tuca out for a few days in training camp they are probably at 10 to 12 days behind everybody else based on what they dealt with in training camp. Um, But that's just how this goes. I mean, this is, there's no feeling sorry for yourself here. This is the reality and the Flyers have developed this, you know, heavy North South brand of hockey where four lines play three defensive pairs play. You're not protecting anyone. You're not overly matching lines you know, there were times tonight where it, you saw all three pairs against Ovechkin or Kuznetsov. I mean, just all the good signs that you see in St. Louis last year. You look at the way St. Louis played north-south heavy hockey. Now, you still need your all-stars. You still need your Giroux and you need your um, your high-end skill, connect, whoever those guys are going to be. You know, they had Tarasenko, O'Reilly, stuff like that. But um, you look at the way that they play, and it's heavy, and it's it's north south, and they create turnovers. I mean, I watched the Flyers today, and you know, there's always mistakes, but not a lot of glaring mistakes. And not not only was it not necessarily mistakes, but there were no snowballs. Um, there were one or two shifts where they were hemmed in, they sort of collapsed into the house, and they sort of defended from the net, and then moved out. You know, I liked that they got the saves from Brian Elliott when he needed to make saves. He looks very good in goal right now. I mean, he looks confident. The team plays confident with him. The Flyers have two goalies they can win with, and that's a great thing to have. Um, so, you know, I look at the way that they've played since this this restart, and and it's it's impressive. I mean, they there's no telling what's going to happen. Obviously, this year is so wacky, and regardless of whether they beat Tampa and they get first, they're all going to be hard matchups. I mean, who do you even who do you want to see in the first round? Is there anyone that you're like, oh, well, if we see that? There really isn't. I mean, everybody is good. And you can make an argument it's Montreal if they do get through Pittsburgh, but they got through Pittsburgh for a reason because they know how to play this sort of grinded-out style. So, you know, whether it's the Islanders or Carolina or whomever it may be, you're going to have to beat good teams to move through. So uh, the Flyers are going to be tough for anyone right now. If you put the Flyers in a seven game series, I mean, I-, I think maybe Tampa is probably the tallest task and, you know, you're not going to see them until potentially the conference finals. Um, but, you know, right now, other than them, I-, I just, I don't see any team that really is able to handle the heavy North South um, you know, detailed game that the Flyers play when they're getting saves. And, you know, they have guys who can put the puck in the net.
1: So if I had told you beforehand, and I, I think if if everyone just takes a moment to kind of put everything into perspective, you know, we talked about during the fact that during the pause, there was a thought that, you know, maybe these teams are going to take some time to get back into it. And, you know, you mentioned that Boston hasn't exactly had everyone, you know, together. And, and you know, maybe even though they had the pause, they didn't really benefit. You look at the Flyers and it's like, at you know, at the end of the, the regular season, when the pause happened, they were without JVR, who we need to talk about at some point. They were without Phil Myers and, and Nate Thompson at sustained an injury. And now you go forward and this team is actually healthy. And this team has even gotten back Shane Goss' to spare off a second knee injury, which is another player worth noting uh, in a bit. But this team, uh, I don't know how you can put into words just how impressive it is to see that, You know, the question of momentum, which players have talked about for weeks leading up to to getting to Toronto, you know, the momentum is probably gone, and now it's our responsibility to try to get ourselves back to that form. They've done it. I mean, this team doesn't look like they've missed a beat. And, you know, I look at it now, and I don't know if there's a team that's playing as good as the Flyers. Now, the the one issue maybe they have is they've played against Tampa – twice this season they've lost both games in regulation they've been out outscored uh two to one right two to one ratio six six total goes to three um it is a concerning thing although i think that you know part of that maybe is just you know playing in tampa i don't know what it is about tampa that that gives the flyers fits they've been successful against practically every other team uh, in the eastern conference and especially the contenders in the east but if i had told you go ahead.
0: I'll tell you the problem with Tampa. Look at their roster and look how they're playing. I mean, they're the only team right now that is, are are arguably playing as well as the Flyers. I mean, they – Tampa is as skilled as that most skilled team in the league and they're the most pissed off team in the league. And they look at the Flyers as their biggest threat. And I would not be surprised if this game against Tampa Bay is physical and is, hey – we're going to be seeing you in about 30 days, 45 days, and remember us. And I think that goes both ways. Yep. So, you know, I think it's going to be a really, really good matchup, this, this round-robin game. But, you know, I also – the season results don't concern me. Tampa's added pieces. The Flyers have tinkered. They've added pieces. Nate Thompson, who people were freaked out about that they brought him in. The guy doesn't lose a faceoff. He's incredible on the penalty kill. He hits. I mean, like, he's the guy you need on your fourth line to win a Stanley Cup. You know, you look at these teams who win the Stanley Cup. Their fourth lines have players like Nate Thompson. So, um, you know, these teams have changed, and I I look forward to that. And I hope if we're talking before the conference finals and it's Tampa Flyers for seven games, it's going to be a hell of a series. I mean – regardless of the outcome it's going to be unbelievably good hockey because there are two teams that are skilled and are heavy and they are pissed off and it's 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 exciting
1: well i just want to say that if you know in the the possibility that that ends up being the conference final i i would just appreciate if the flyers would avenge uh 2004 for me when they uh i remember that i, remember that. I was at my eighth grade prom and uh I didn't get to watch the final game. And I, you know, DJ cuts in. Everybody's having a good old time. We didn't have cell phones back then. And DJ gets on and says, The Flyers just lost. Ah, huh. thanks, fella. That was great. So I would like a little bit of revenge. I'm, I'm just hoping. Now, maybe the biggest thing uh, worth noting here uh, is that second line with Scott Lawton and Kevin Hayes, Travis connecting, playing out of their minds. If we had gone into the bubble, saying, hey, the Flyers are going to get no points, zero, a big zero out of their top line. And the second line is going to be the one to carry everything. And by the way, Scott Lawton is not going to be your 4C. He's not going to be playing the wing on the third line. He's going to be on your second line. Somebody would have drug tested you. <laughs> so let's, let's get into what exactly it is that's making that second line so impactful and so successful. What are you seeing from Scott Lawton specifically? That is allowing him to unlock, you know, the the potential that I think the organization looked at when they drafted him years ago. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week,
0: you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment.
1: That is a harsh
0: lesson in business.
1: Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, my, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't
0: want to do another stomp you out
1: speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. You know, the show is called The deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
0: Yeah, you see, I actually think that they still see that potential. And I don't think they ever really gave up on that potential. I think a lot of it was Scott, that it, it hurts him how versatile he is because you've never once in his career had to pigeonhole him as a guy who has to play on a skill line or has to play on a checking line. So he's the first guy that when things aren't necessarily going right and they start looking at lines, you know, he's a wild card and he can play anywhere in your lineup. And he plays with a ton of speed. He's a smart player. I mean, I've talked to, you know, guys all all year long about, Guys, they like playing with, especially like the third line ish area. You know, I've talked to uh, James about it quite a few times. Who loves playing with Scott Lawton? Loves it because Lots is very, very smart up here. His hockey IQ is really high, and he doesn't really get a lot of credit for that because he's such a north south player. He's basically accepted a role that if I want to be successful in the NHL, I got to play north-south, I got to play fast, and I got to play heavy. And he does that. And he doesn't take shortcuts. Uh, He's got more skill than, you know, every other fourth-line player in the NHL. And he probably falls into that, you know, somewhere between, you know, six and nine as a forward with with the ability to kill a penalty or even go stand in front of the net on the power play because – He really is fearless. I mean, he's not a player that will back down from anything. Um, But I I think his speed uh, is is a big factor. And I saw him before he left for the bubble. He looked really fit, really fit. And, um, you know, I know he put in a lot of work when he went back for the break. And even here, you know, he was on the bike a lot. He was training a lot. And it shows. I mean, you get a chance to get yourself in, you know, top-end shape during the season um, and, you you know, like, like he just looked more fit. I know that's kind of an old cliche. We see people, they look fit. To me, he looked fit. And he looks very fast. And I think there's got to be some correlation there. Um, a lot of it's confidence, too. You score a goal in that preseason game, a pretty goal. You ride that confidence. Uh, I'll caution you on the fact that it's a long way to go. And we're not even out of the round robin here with the Flyers. We're still – in the, in the seeding games and a lot can happen. And, and um, the flyers are still tinkering with their lines. I don't think Av set because, you know, he's got to get that first line going. And, you know, usually the way to get a line going is to put Couturier with them. Well, Couturier is already with that line. Uh, they'd like to get some other guys going as well. So, you know, where do you start playing with the lines and where do you guys start to fit in? Um, you know, well, let me game let me ask you that
1: though. Do you, do you tinker with that top line, or do you realize that the quality's there, the chemistry's been there, and that it's just a matter of time?
0: You know, uh, I don't envy coaches and GMs who have to make decisions like this. Um, and what's one of my favorite things to say is, "Is I'm glad I don't have to make that decision." Uh, I might tinker with that line because you know, I I. I I don't envision a successful playoff run that doesn't involve James Van Riemsdyk causing problems for goaltenders in front of the net. One of the biggest issues that I noticed with the power play uh, over the last couple of games is it's really deliberate. And I don't see like today they try to get pucks to the net and simplify things Russ. us, but there was nobody standing in front of the net and nobody does that better than James. And uh, he's even had some playoff success with Toronto. So, you know, right now, Elaine has a has has a little bit of a bone with him. I think it's it's obvious. Um I think even in seeing some people's uh, social media, I think I even read something about you where maybe you didn't feel that the effort was there from James in the in the first few games. You know, I caution you with the guy who's 6 foot 4 um to not necessarily look at his skating and and correlate that to effort because you know players now they wear heart rate monitors, they they're tracked you know, look, I, I, I'm always going to defend this guy because I know him personally. I played with him. I've been on the ice with him. I know what his work ethic is, and I know what's ingrained in him. And I know what he does in training camp when he, te- when you test after being, he he works and it doesn't look like it because he's big and he doesn't bend his knees a lot. He plays the game very upright and it's deceiving. And I'm biased towards the guy. I'm I'm the first one to admit it, but you know, people said that about me at times in my career. They didn't feel like I was working because my knees weren't quite bent because I played a little bit more upright. I played with a shorter stick and I just played upright. Um, and, you know, so I just caution people to feel like maybe he's not working hard. I don't think that's it. I don't think he's been as good as we've seen at times earlier this year. And, you know, he's got to score goals. That's that's what makes him effective. So um, I think they need to find a way to get him back in. I think you know he's a good player and he's been for a long time. I think he helps the team. Um, so I do think there could be some tinkering. I think you got to sort of be careful where Joel Farabee falls in the lineup, who I thought played well today. I thought he was noticeable. I thought his details and the little things he did all game were pretty solid. Um, I would have liked to have seen him be a little bit more ready on that power play, on that backdoor pass. I know it handcuffed him a little bit, but this is the playoffs. And mm-hmm. though that, that little half inch makes a difference in a series, you know, you know how intense the playoffs are. You've been covering hockey long enough. So uh, I had a front row seat watching a team that I was on just as a, as a depth player. And I saw how much those details were important all the way to, you know, winning the big old trophy at the end. So um, I think we'll see some more tinkering. Um you know, I, I think Claude Giroux is going to be really good in the playoffs. I'm not worried about Giroux. And I think Sean Couturier, I don't worry about him. So, you know. Okay.
1: So, so first thing, you violated a rule, with to know the goalie. It's an unspoken rule. We never use Russ's tweets against him. Okay. So, just <laughs> for the sake of clarifying, because once I sent it and I looked at it, I was like, this could get misinterpreted. So, in, in the tweet, I just pulled it because I want to make sure that I'm not, you know, backtracking with BS here. Uh, I mentioned that it could be due to a poor effort last game and I got like my soccer terminology in it. So the poor effort wasn't like, he's lazy. It was like, it was a, it was like a, an underwhelming performance, right? I don't think a guy who leaves his three month old child at home after spending months working to get the game back is going to go and half ass it. Right? So let me just be clear. That's not the thing. Uh, It's just that the results aren't there. The numbers aren't there. Absolutely. And so, and, and like, I think when you look at it, you know, there, there are plenty of times where people say, okay, is JVR a guy who can elevate his line mates and drive play himself and carry a line? And I, I don't think he's there. I don't. But I think that if he's playing with another skilled player who gets him in the right position, that's where he finds the most success. And I think that for this team to unlock that next level, they're playing great right now, but for them to access that next level, they need him on. And, and as you mentioned, and as you mentioned, like he's had playoff success before my problem. And this has been my problem with, with JVR even going back to when he was first drafted. I remember going to a, po- to a playoff game uh, against the Bruins. I think it was and yeah, in 2011. Had, yes. And he had, I think it was two goals in like the first, I don't know, period, two periods or something. One might have gotten called back, so and he he's looked the best flyer. I remember. He looked, it. he looked like the most dominant player. He was like that prototypical power forward. He was getting it. You know, he was just throwing the lower body around, holding the puck off on you know one hand. Just looked incredible. And then you're like, why is this not a more consistent thing? Why is this not a more consistent part? He's got the talent, and he's got the body for it. Why does he not do it more often? And it's not just him, by the way. And it happens again, it go, happens across all sports. I watch every freaking sport under the sun except like cricket, right? There are so many times where a guy is so much more physically imposing. And to your point, it looks like they aren't trying hard just by virtue of them being so much bigger, right? And I get why people get frustrated, but here's the here's the issue I guess I have. You know, if we're talking about tinkering with the top line, which I don't advocate for, I think you just, if you're A V, you let it alone. And you you look and you see how this game goes against Tampa Bay. And if at the end of that it's still a goose egg, then maybe it's a little bit concerning. But are you going to split up the second line that's been red hot? I don't know. Are you no, going I to don't, are you going to put I don't think you can. Are you going to put James on the top line? I, I don't know because if you don't, where are you putting him where you're really going to put him in an advantageous situation well, for you have, you're, you you can't put him on the fourth you, line, right? No, the, no. And, and, I mean, and that's, th- that's a waste and, of exactly. everyone's time. And so then the third line, you know, is that enough? Does that, does that move the needle enough? Is Derek Grant going to be the guy who unlocks James Van Reems Like, I'm not. No, I, I'm not sure. So it's like it's almost it's funny, like top line or bust right now, right? Which is the the especially with part.
0: where lot where with where Lawton is playing, it's challenging because at times JVR and and Lots were they had some good chemistry and they were good together. So. Listen, it's, it's a tricky thing. And, um, you know, I was surprised to see how short the leash was on, on AV pulling him out. Um, you know, but I agree, like you need a fourth line with a role. That that line has a certain role and Nate Thompson's got to be on it. And Joel Farabee is not, is not the guy for that line. It's Pitlick, it's Thompson and, you know, TBD maybe, you know what I mean? I, I, I'm not convinced it's Connor Bunneman at this point. I don't think it can be, you know, so um, I I just, I, I think it's hard to argue with a lot of the things that AV has done this year. It is, it's hard to question it. Um, But again, you know, you look like you're not going to split that lineup right now, but things change so fast in hockey. And whenever I, I talk to friends of mine who play and, and, guys who are in the doghouse um, where I spent most of my career, I always remind them that things change so quickly. I mean, I, I had this conversation with Noah Dobson from the Islanders uh, over the last week. And I told him, you know, look, I, I was, I was number eight for a playoff run. And um, you know, it could so many things had to go right for it not to change. Meanwhile, We never had any issues. We were the healthiest team all playoffs. When we played Vancouver in the finals, they were on to like their ninth and 10th defenseman. They had to bring guys back from vacation to be extras. So I I said to Noah, Noah, just, I know it's cliche, but you're going to play at some point. So you got to somehow keep yourself dialed in when you're watching games, be mentally, be there. Don't go on Instagram, watch the game. When, you, when, you're on, when, you, when you're skating, do what you can do to, like, go a little harder because you're going to play. It's only a matter of time. Things in the playoffs, as we've seen, guys have gone down. Guys are unfit to play. A guy could have an, an inconclusive COVID test before a game at that day, and that knocks him out for 24 hours. Yep. An inconclusive test. So all of a sudden, you know, whether it's the first line center or the fourth, some, so, you know, uh, I'm not, I'm not um, looking at these lines like we now know what the lines are going to be when they play Tampa in the conference finals in, in six weeks because things change so quickly. Guys go from the doghouse to the penthouse. I, I have to think it's as fast as in any sport, but I don't follow the other sports as, as much as you do. So maybe it happens in the other sports too, but I'm telling you, doghouse, penthouse, it's quick It's all know, those same. elevators those those elevators go quick so what um, dog has to, you know
1: with an elevator um
0: oh jeez so i lived in them my whole career so <laughs> i know about them
1: so let me let's kind of expand this a little bit so it's felt like all year jvr is one of the first names out of av's mouth when he's looking to motivate and he's oh, a player yeah. like he's a player rep i don't think that's it right this isn't the same as as like some other professional settings where like there's like the union buster so it's not that
0: Yeah, they don't like them because of
1: that. So jvr has been one and and Shane Gossespare has has kind of been one of those guys who also like, you know, this again gets into the the analytics versus the eye test thing of of Ghost versus Robert Haig. And even when when Friedman was in the lineup, and I think actually did a pretty serviceable job. Like I I don't think that Friedman is a terrible NHL defenseman. I think that like he's a great he's a great number seven or eight. Exactly. Exactly. And we'll see. So people, I think I tantalized again. And it's almost like, I don't know. Is it like the girl who flirts with you or the girl who like smiles at you across the room? And like, you're like, man, we just had, we had great moments, right? There was that one time we took a selfie and it was amazing. (laughs) Best day of (laughs) my life. Oh my God. It was amazing. And then there are the days where she didn't look at you. There are the days she didn't smile at you, but you're like, Oh, but, but there was that one time we took the selfie and, God, if, if I could just take one more selfie, it'd be the best. That to me is what, like, a lot of the people who are hoping and praying for the return of Shane Goss spirit to, to being that dynamic offensive talent as a defenseman keep clinging on to. So when people see that he makes the roster, when they hear that he's had two knee surgeries uh, in this calendar year and that, you know, he's motivated to come back and play, people start to think, all right, ceiling, his ceiling, if he's at 100%. And if he's back to the form of a couple years ago, that's a higher ceiling player than Robert Haig. Okay, fine. He hasn't factored in. He hasn't made the lineup. And one of the questions that we got on Twitter was about him. And I guess the question I have for you is, you know, for JVR and for Ghost, do you think that these are motivational tactics? Do you view them separately? Like I, I kind of view them separately. Very different. Very different. And And if it's me, and maybe you agree with this or not, but if it's me, I think that defensively, they've played it very strong as a team. I think they're playing uh, yeah. the communication between the, best, the forwards and the, the defense. The best
0: I've seen their six play all year, and everybody has now realized what their role is on the defense. And the, ex- the fact that the, one of the biggest ones that I look at is Myers. He has accepted the fact. That he needs to play simple hockey. Mm-hmm. The minute he starts trying to go cross ice and hold on to the puck, he becomes his biggest enemy. But when he is making that five foot pass and he's using Sandheim and he's making that reverse pass instead of trying to, you know, jam it up the wall, and at the blue line, he's getting the puck. And then he gets the opportunity because he's very, very gifted from a skill standpoint and he sees a lane, and he goes and he takes it, and he scores a highlight goal, that's what you need from him. He cannot be Shane Gostasfer or Matt Niskanen. Or he needs to understand that on his pair, he's actually got to be the simple one who takes less chances because Travis Sanheim has the offensive upside and has got more up here and, and, and I think has a higher hockey IQ and understands when to go in and when to not go in better and i think a little bit of that is experience and maturity and the fact that he was kind of you know travis sandheim was sort of um nerd, i don't i don't think nurtured's a good word but developed into this position yeah. uh whether it was shell samuelson and john riley and they they really developed sandheim into what he is you know a lot of credit is due Hextall, who you know all the people that had their hand in travis sandheim dave Heckstall who sent him right. to
1: the press row with us yeah got it yeah
0: Listen, they all, they okay. all, deserve, a, they all yeah. deserve a little bit of credit for that. And, sure. and what I'm impressed is is that everybody really seems to get their role on the defense. Do I think Shane Gosses fair is a good enough player to be in an NHL top six on any team? I do. Because um, I think when he's healthy, I do think, and, and I'm, maybe I'm one of those people that is, is, you know, like what you talked about, thinking about that person that flirted with me one time. Uh, I think he's a special talent. I think that in order for him to be effective, he's got to be able to move. And I watched it happen with Kevin Shattenkirk in New York, where he had some small lingering injuries that really affected him. And he wasn't able to have that little burst that gave him the separation to make the plays he needed to make. Um, I liked the way Shane came back and played hard and heavy in training camp in the preseason. I think they'll put him in against Tampa Bay. I think maybe they'll pull – I think Braun will come out. You know, Braun didn't play a lot today. Um, I think they're going to pull Braun out. Maybe he's a veteran. Maybe it's Nisk. I'm not sure. Uh, But I think they're going to have to put Shane in a game because, again, I think at some point they're going to need him to play. I really do. You don't – you're not going to win every game in the playoffs. You're not going to like everything you see. It's very rare a team goes wire to wire with the same lineup. It just it doesn't happen. I mean, Tyler Sagan, the year that I, you know, with the Bruins, Tyler was a healthy scratch four or five times. And then he goes in against Tampa, scores two huge goals, turns the series around. Uh, Sean Thornton then goes back in and out, you know, because Nathan Horton gets hurt. So you just don't go wire to wire with the same six and 12. So I think you got to get him in. Um, and you got to start building them up a little bit because I, I think he's a player that's at some point going to have some importance. And um, I kind of want to go back to what you said, though, about viewing these cases differently. Yeah. Um, and I'm kind of interested before I give my thoughts on that, when you say that you view the way that these two players are being dealt with differently, I'm interested to hear, you know, I'm close to both of those players. Um, they're both guys that I know very well personally Uh, And I spend time with throughout my so you're taking the selfies.
1: You're taking the selfies with. uh...
0: So I, but I view their situations really differently, and um, they're a little bit harsh, actually. But I'm interested to hear what you think first.
1: What I think you want to know what I I want to know what I want to know
0: what you think first.
1: I think that the way that Av goes about using JVR's name is akin to the way that he will, from time to time, mention Jake and Claude Giroux and even Sean Couturier. He usually lumps those guys together because of the fact that they've had success. They also all happen to be high money players. Sean Couturier, not, not as much, but um, that (laughs) is bizarre, which is absolutely insane. Um, The best, the best, the best contract in hockey.
0: Um, Oh man. And then, you know, of course we have a global pandemic and the cap stays flat. And, you know, I mean, this guy, like, can can someone just give Sean Couturier a bag of cash?
1: I think we just need to get a a massive sponsorship going for him. Like, I I think Sean Couturier needs to like dye his hair purple, or something. he needs to become Dennis Rodman. I guess is what or I'm saying. Or
0: a GoFundMe, a GoFundMe yeah, for we... being the most underappreciated player that has ever played for the Flyers.
1: Listen, I know restaurants and bars are hit hard, but if you own a restaurant or bar in the Greater Philadelphia area, like this man Give never a pays. Free meal. He never pays for a meal or a drink.
0: Like yeah, for I'm the rest, you, of, not.
1: you know. But I I I view the way that Av, you know, quote unquote, calls out JVR in the media, in the same way that he he would mention those guys as we need these players to step up. We need to, to get the, we need to get those leaders going. I don't feel like he calls out Shane Goss in the same way. I feel like it's more of a silent kind of like behind, behind closed doors sort of thing. Like it's almost as if he was dropped out of the lineup and, you know, you know, part of it, I guess is, is injury. And part of it is maybe he didn't, A.V. doesn't feel like he's bought into the system or he hasn't bought into his role. And so there's, I don't view the JVR thing as, as seriously because I think A.V. holds JVR in higher regard in terms of leadership and past success, even if maybe he has a bone to pick with them or maybe if something rubs him the wrong way versus like, I, I almost feel like James or um, Shane Goss is a guy who, you know, A.V. said he he gave everybody a blank slate but I think he knew what he could potentially have. And I don't think that there's been a a long enough stretch this season where he's been able to unlock him. And so now there's just kind of a question maybe in his mind of, I don't know if I can get through to this guy. Like, I don't know if there's a way to maximize this guy. And and even from the organizational standpoint, this is now the third coach. Uh, I know that, that Scott Gordon was an interim coach, but it's three coaches in a row now where the results haven't been there. Uh, with Shane Goss' bear, like they were earlier in his career. That's how I view it from, from my detached perspective. That's how I view it.
0: No, I mean, I, I, I would agree with a lot of what you're saying and um, the Vegas and St. Louis game is four, four, four. I don't know if you have that one on. I have it on right now.
1: Yeah. Live looking. Is, this,
0: they Vegas wants to win nine seven. I mean, that's fun. Like that's, that's fun. good.
1: That's not bad hockey. I don't care what no, anybody I, says. You know, Carey Price standing on his head against Pittsburgh is lovely, but yeah. I have no, I have no problem. Is, just uh, betting no, on that series.
0: This, this, this is fun. But, um, you know, I, I, I think from the get-go, I, I just think every coach, you learn this when you play for sure, but every coach has like a whipping boy, a guy that is probably not your captain, but he's also not a fourth liner. He's somewhere – in the mix as a better, you know, one of your better players. And they, they just, that's the guy that, like, they want to always make an example out of. And, you know, it's funny because when you watch video with a, as a coach, you know, or, or let's just say Chuck and A.V. and Mike, yo, they're sitting there watching video. You could run a clip, okay, and they could all see something completely different. And A.V. could see it positive and Chuck could see it negative and Chuck could feel like he, he he wasn't hard enough to play against and A.V. could think it was a bad bounce. So a lot of it is like frame of mind because it's so subjective. And, you know, I think from the get-go, um, A.V. decided that was going to be the guy that he, he continually made an example out of. And, you know, I, I think Voracek has – has had his moments, but not like, not like James has. And, and I don't necessarily know. If, I think there, there could have been a little bit more towards 9'3's way. Um, you don't ever want to be the whipping boy that I, that was me with Jack Parker. And uh, you know, I was an all American that year, but still we, we, the team didn't show up one night and he sat me against Merrimack. And this is in college. Jack decides he's going to make an example out of me, sit me against Merrimack because we played Boston college the next night, puts me back in the lineup and I end up getting two and one that night. Like, so that was, I was the whipping boy, no matter what, there were times where he, he would destroy me in the dressing room in front of the team. He then pull me aside at practice and like smirk at me to be like, you know, you know what I mean? So I think a little bit of that is is with, with James. I think they, they – he's decided he's going to make an example out of him. Um, I I do get the sense, though, that, like, I don't know if A.B.'s bought in the fact that he, he just maybe doesn't think he plays that hard or, um, you know, he's made some comments to him this year about, you know, where do you see yourself at this stage of your career? Sort of hinting, like, you know, you're getting over the hill a little bit here. Yeah. Um, and I know A.V.'s had some issues when he was with the Rangers with some of his veteran guys that were, you know, coming down the, you know, the back nine. Um, so, you know, I think he he's the whipping boy. And I think that, uh, again, like, I, I it's hard to argue with him. The team played well today. Joel Farabee was good. But I just don't – I don't think – I think you need to get him going. You need his contributions. Um, he's never going to run people over. And I know as a big guy, that's what you want to see, but it's just, it's never going to be his game. It's not his personality. His personality is, he's a very friendly, um, you know, likes, likes to be like, you know, he's not, he doesn't have that kind of fu type of personality, even in, in life. I mean, he's a guy that's really well liked and respected by his peers he was one of what 10 guys on the return to play committee because people know that up here in his brain, he's a smart guy and and he understands numbers and he understands salary cap. And so, um, you know, I, I think a lot of those things get, get roped in and, and, you know, I want to see it work out for him here, but you know, who knows? I mean, for the, we, we may not see him in a flyers Jersey next year. I mean, I would think he's a guy that, you know, they signed Oscar, you know they've got um, Scotty Lawton. They've got Ferribe. I mean they've they've got lefties. So I think he's a guy that's that's you know could be on the move th- this summer, and and it could be better for him as well. I mean selfishly I don't want that to happen because I like having him close by, um, but it's it's a reality. And and I look at Shane Goss's fair, and I think you know he worked hard. He came back with a good attitude. And, and I, I don't know if, uh, if AV ever really seriously considered putting him in and, and he may not. Uh, I, I think you're right. I, I don't think he looks at Shane like the player that we all look at Shane and we see have seen out of Shane. I just don't, I don't, I don't think he thinks he's a, he's a good enough player to be impactful and I don't agree with that. Uh, but that's what I think. I think Chuck probably looks at it a little bit differently Cause I'm sure Chuck has seen a bigger body of work with Shane and has seen him probably when he was in college, he probably scouted him when he was at union. He probably scouted him throughout his young years. So, um, you know, and I, I just, I think there's probably a difference of a philosophy. I think management probably likes him more than the coaching staff does. Uh, I do. Um, but again, I think he's going to at some point have a role on this team in playoffs because Again, I do not think 12 and 6 gets you to the cup. You need 13 or 14 and 7 uh, to be successful in the playoffs and, and probably two goalies as well. So um, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, I'm, I'm, I really like how the defensive pairs are playing right now. It's going to be hard to change that. It really is because everybody has a role and everybody's playing really well. I love the way Travis Sanheim is playing, and not because he scored those goals. Uh, they're obviously pretty goals, especially, you know, the, the goal he scored today. But you just watch the way he's moving the puck, and you watch the way he's maturing. Uh, mature defensemen don't make a lot of mistakes. And the break sort of was like almost another offseason for these types of guys. And, and he's someone who came back and elevated his game because he's just another year in, another year more comfortable, another year with more games. It's almost like now it's his second year with this coaching staff. So, um, you know, these are good problems to have. Good teams. We're not insulated. We're not the only, you know, the Flyers are not the only team that have position battles. I mean, uh, Robert Bortuzzo is playing for St. Louis tonight. And, you know, Bortuzzo has been an important role defenseman for them for, for in and out for, for years now, for three or four years. And he was out and then he's back in. and 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 so – Teams that are good have position battles and have players who could probably be in the lineup for other teams that don't. So um, all good problems to have. They're all problems that I'm glad I don't have to make the decision because they're, they're hard decisions. And that's why, you know, uh, you got guys like AV who know what they're doing and Chuck to, to make these decisions. I mean, I, I'm always someone who says, you know, there's a reason AV makes $5 million to coach and I, I don't. Because he knows better and more than me, and and I, I rely on that with, with these types of positions.
1: So let me just point out before we go to the uh, we're going to call it the Twitter mailbag, uh, the Twit bag, Tweet bag. I don't know which one we go with the Twitter I don't nest. The, bag that can get you in you trouble. Don't like, you don't like the one the Tweet bag. I don't know. Okay, that's fine. Um, there is a very important thing to point out. People who appear on Snow the goalie have the Snowly goalie bump. Scott Lawton. Travis Konechny. I'm just pointing that out. Elaine Vigneault, Jack Adams candidate. He's going to win. You know this. I know this. Sean Couturier maybe wins the Selkie. I don't know. Hasn't been on the show yet. Will be at some point. Uh, I just want to point out that it's, it's very important uh, that as we go down the stretch here and that as we continue to put this out, uh, that people know that the snow, the goalie bump is real. Uh, let's go to the Twitter, the Twitter bag, the tweet, the tweet tweet nest okay um house with a couch at uh Bree 17 asks is tom wilson a garbage player or a garbage human being and a garbage player
0: i would say he's neither and oh
1: uh, don't you dare if is this like a i know the guy and he's a lovely no, person and no, like he I like adopts animals no, and and like no, dedicates his time to children's hospitals don't do this
0: I do not know him personally whatsoever, but I think he's a good hockey player. Does he cross the line? Do you hate to see some of the things that he does? Uh, he plays the game along that line and it's blurry for him sometimes, but he's very effective and there's a reason he plays on that top line with Ovi and he's the type of guy that if he were a flyer, he would be oh, we'd everybody's love favorite. Yeah, He'd we'd love him. everybody. So, so I'm not going to tell you he's a bad guy just because he does you know he i hate some of the things that he does and and i'd like to kick him sometimes and i'm like dude come on that's dangerous like don't what about the hit
1: today the the boring today like did you feel
0: i didn't think it was as bad and dangerous as as uh, as i think a lot of people did okay um okay i just i didn't I, i know that's not a popular thing to say but I just, I didn't, I didn't think it was as bad. He could have taken another step or two and really run through, run, run him right through the glass. Um, it wasn't good. But I was, just, yeah. I don't think it's like some suspendable, egregious Tom Wilson play that okay. we have seen before.
1: Yeah, I see. I, I kind of go back to. After a while, you get enough of a reputation in the league. And if there are questionable hit, like at some point I feel like as a player, you need to know that there are times that it's, it's just better not to go with that hit because what you're potentially doing is harming your team in the long term. Like if the league probably won't come down with the suspension, but if they were to come down with with the suspension, that could really hurt Washington uh, as they battle for what it's going to be almost like who avoids the basement in the Eastern conference. Um, and, you know, does that even extend into the first round of the, uh, of the playoffs? Like you could really hurt your team. Uh, I just think that that's more of a concern for, maybe for Washington fans going forward. Um, question from CB Sauerbaum. Uh, will the top line get going offensively? Will AV say he needs more out of Jake Ooh, and uh, can they score enough to win against the best? So I think that kind of comes back to the thing you were saying before about like that, Jake Voracek was a guy earlier in the year who was getting called out more, and it it seems like it's passed on to James Van Riemsdyk. But do you think that at some point that's going to be a thing? He's going to call out Jake to try to light a fire there as well.
0: I'm not sure. Um, I know that's kind of a, a cop out of an answer, but here's what I would say: You're you're in the playoffs now. I, I don't think calling out your guys is is a motivating factor in the playoffs. Guys are playing for the pure fact that they want to win the cup right now there's no fans um they're away from their families you know they're they're living out of hotels guys want to win hockey games and i personally am not a fan of of the constant call outs it's hard to argue with the way it happened this year though because every time it seemed like av called someone out it seemed like they stepped up so i'm going to put an asterisk by the fact that I could very well be wrong, Um, but I'm not a fan of it. I think come playoffs, you keep it in the dressing room. And that's the only experience that I have is one year. And it's that it's, it was a Stanley cup run. And, you know, after the game as a, as a healthy scratch, you come down to the room, you know, you're down there, you pound everybody as they come into the dressing room and then you sit there and you listen to the, to the coaches conversation, you know, after the game, Um, the coach talks to the players and then they kind of prep you on all the media stuff, what you can and can't say to the media. Yes, that happens. And um, what message we wanted to get across or didn't, whatever. But there were a lot of times where Claude came in really pissed off uh, during the playoffs. He didn't want to lose ever. He wanted us to win four straight and every, like I never seen him so angry that when we lost one, nothing in game one in Vancouver, I I thought he was going to kill Chara because he was so pissed about the play in overtime but he didn't go to the to the media he he you know he said to the team like this is a game of inches and we almost have to be perfect and i think once you get into the playoffs it should stay in the room guys are mature enough they're there to win the cup everybody has the same goal um and understands that this is bigger than normal because <laughs> more eyes are on you and um, you know, you're, you're, you're playing through this pandemic where you're giving people hope. You're giving them something to do. People are getting laid off left and right from their jobs. You're, you're, you're literally some, some, for some people, you're the only good thing in their life. And I think guys understand that that they have that responsibility. So I don't, I, I hope he doesn't go that route and start calling out the top line, Drew and, and Voracek and Kuterrier. I I hope not. Um, will he do it? He might, he's done it all year, you know? So why change it now? But not my personal preference.
1: Uh, from Flyers fan, 1953, do Ghost and Friedman make the lineup on Saturday or no?
0: I wouldn't play Friedman. Okay. Uh, he's your number eight. And I think the Flyers have a versatile enough group that no matter who were to go down, if someone went down. Shane is the next guy in you know I think in certain situations like in the Islanders situation uh Johnny Boychuk gets hurt and they put in Andy Green over Noah Dobson because Johnny Boychuk's a more defensive guy and they wanted a defensive guy so they put in Andy Green they put a veteran in I don't think you're going to put a guy in with very little NHL experience over Shane Gostasphere so uh I think you, you I'd like to see Shane get in I'd like to see him play get some confidence And then play well and and give the coaches a lot to think about. Um, And that's just going to make the team better. So um, I'd like to see him get in. I think he'll get in. uh, But, uh, you know, we'll find out.
1: (laughs) Uh, Let's see. I think there were a couple more here.
0: Uh, Oh,
1: here we go. Jacqueline 311 says, what's Colby's opinion on us going all the way since he's been there? What does he see that we need to work on to get there during this run?
0: You know, I think conditioning is going to be important. Um, I think I noticed it one or two times today when the Flyers were hemmed in. But I think everybody's in that position right now. I think everybody's still working on their their, their conditioning. Uh, I like the fact that the Flyers have been in this round robin and not in a best of five. Because I think that uh, their, their opportunity to, um, uh, you know, play games, practice, have more days to work on their different things, um, you know, see line combinations that aren't life or death. I like all that. So, look, I, I, I've said this now. I said it. The whole pause. The Flyers are a good team. And I thought they'd be good when we got back into this because they, they, their details are good. Their habits are good. Their systems are good. They all understand their roles, and they want to win. So um, I think they have as good a chance as anyone. Uh, it's going to be tough no matter what. You're going to have to play either Carolina or the Islanders or, or the, you know, whomever. I mean, it, you look at the Eastern Conference, there is not an easy team to play. Um, and Montreal is not going to be an easy game. If Flyers end up with the, with the one seed and Montreal gets in, that's not going to be an easy series. You know, Claude Julien knows how to make the, the the neutral zone difficult. And Shea Weber and Carey Price and Sherratt, Petrie, I mean, these are good hockey players. So um, I just think that, uh, you know, they have as good a chance right now as anybody would be what I, what I would say. A lot of it's going to depend on who stays healthy and how does the goaltending hold up.
1: I think this is a good place to wrap because I think uh, we've pretty much hit everything that there is to hit. I do want to point out to the people that, I mentioned off the top of the show that you're kind of like the unofficial third member of the the snow, the goalie team. And I know that you're busy. I think you should tell people some of the stuff that you're, you're working on. Um, But I think in between some of your, uh, your other commitments we'll be seeing a little bit more of you around these parts.
0: Yeah. Well, last night I actually did, I called Pittsburgh, Montreal uh, with Sam Rosen, who is, the New York Rangers, legendary Hall of Fame play-by-play guy. And uh, it was funny, actually. At one point, um, I guess Pittsburgh scored a power play goal. And Sam said, and it, it's a power play goal. Like, he has that call that yeah. for the Rangers. And I thought to myself, I heard this as a kid. And it was never good. Because it meant the Rangers just scored a power play goal against the Flyers. So never a good thing. But, yeah, I'll be doing games for Westwood 1. Um, which is part of NBC Sports, uh, you know, national radio feed throughout the playoffs. Um, you know, probably somewhere between five and ten games. You know, depending on how things shake out uh, with some of the TV guys. You know, because the, the TV guys rotate in whether it's Joe Micheletti or Ray Ferraro. They all re- you know rotate in and they take reps from from the radio from the radio crew. So uh, could end up being in one of the conference finals. I do think if the Flyers make it to the conference finals, there's a really good chance that I will work that conference final as the radio color analyst because hey, hey. of my proximity to the team. Um, we've already had that conversation. Um, and, you know, when I'm not uh, on these other games, I'm going to, you know, try to join you guys because, um, you know, things are a little bit little bit different right now with, with NBC Philly. And um, I think there's, uh, you know, someone tweeted me earlier asking if, if I if I still was on the – the pre and post game show. And, and um, I can't, I can't give a definitive answer for that because I'm not, I'm not positive. I think due to social distancing, I think you're probably just going to see Bundy um, in the post game shows and, and maybe a little bit of JJ along with, um, you know, the, the host of the show. So um, uh, we'll see what happens next season. I, I obviously hope to be back with, with NBC. Um, I enjoy doing that. I like being around this team it's a fun group because they're they've been so good this year, and I think that they're going to just continue to be better. I think we're about to see a stretch of really good flyers hockey for 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 a few years here, which I think people have really wanted to see for a long time so um you know, I always appreciate that you guys let me come on um, and you know let's let's hope to see some wins for the orange and black.
1: Look, NBC Sports, Philadelphia is whatever they're doing. I don't know. I've their their uncertainty is our gain. And so yeah. you know, we always like to say that the best place to go for the intermission show is the press row show. No offense. we We love your work on TV. <laughs> Everybody else, I don't know. you, we love the work you do. But I think that when it comes to uh, you know, the postseason coverage here. We'll be happy to have you on. And so, uh, you know, people can kind of get themselves excited for that. And um, so we've got Snow the goalie and we've got the Press Row Show. And by the way, to all the people who, who have wondered, the Press Row Show is back this Saturday because the Flyers are going to be in that battle for the top seed in the Eastern Conference. Something that, if we're honest, I don't know if anybody thought the Flyers would really get there. Not by any, you know, any doing or anything of their own doing, but I think that most people kind of thought that Boston and Tampa were going to put in a really strong effort and maybe that was going to box the flyers out. They might get up to three, but they have a realistic chance of getting the top seed in the Eastern conference. Last thing before we head out, do you feel like the round Robin was a fair way to go about determining the top four seeds? I've seen a lot of people saying that they thought that there should have been like a reverse order of points given out that Boston should have been given four and then three, two like weighted or something. Yeah. Or like three, two, one. And then the flyers would have had zero that that would have at least put some kind of, you know, congratulations. You had a really good regular season.
0: But then here's my argument against that. Montreal didn't have a sniff to make the playoffs and the Pittsburgh Penguins had a solid season. They were in fifth place in a, in a hard conference. So, you know, that's my argument against the weighted point system is, is that it was never going to be perfect for everyone. And this, to me, was the most fair way to do it. Everybody had the same amount of time to prepare. The Bruins, they should have, you know, figured out a way to play better and win these games. I, it's like, I, and if, if it were on the reverse and the Bruins were beaten up on the Flyers, I would say the same thing. And the, I would have said, you know what? Flyers got to find their mojo. But they came back. They've been to work. They were good in camp. And I I think that the the league and the union did an unbelievable job of taking, you know, a, a really uncertain situation and giving us a saving grace on our television sets because I, for one, have not done anything but have hockey on for quite some time, my girlfriend is ready to kill me because we've watched so much hockey. So, um, you know, she couldn't wait for me to go work a game last night, so she wouldn't have to have the games on all day. Of course, she had to have the game on that I was working, but she didn't have to watch all the games that day because I wasn't here.
1: So what so, she watch? So what does she watch when you're not there?
0: I'm not sure about that.
1: That. that how I do you answer, not know? When I'm.
0: How do you? But not when know? I'm working. But look, when I'm working the game, she puts it on the TV and then they mute it. She yeah. mutes it and gets puts the radio to it. I mean, that's, that's, that's commitment right that's there. Commitment. That's commitment. That's supportive, you know? Listen. And then she goes on Twitter and says that I'm terrible. You know, she trolls me on
1: Twitter. Good. That's good. That That's loving support that you need. That's exactly. Because, you know, loving support that's, is just, right. that's just to try to draw the people out that are the supporters to say, hey, no, no, no. This guy's legit. He's a real deal. Well, then my mom
0: gets on there, and then yes! that's the end of it all.
1: Yes, this is so. What any of
0: the Flyers fans who are chirping me on Twitter, just know I got my I got my detectives, and and you know I got my mom. They got the girl. You know they're all they're on to you guys. They're coming for you.
1: Listen, I I get the support. The beautiful thing here was when the Flyers played Boston. That was my anniversary, and I said to my wife, "Hey, I could DVR the game." She's a Flyers fan, but I'm like, "I could DVR the game." She goes, "No, no, no." We're going to watch the game, and then we're going to go to dinner. And I was like, all right, that's, that's a winner. That's a keeper.
0: That's the win. Well, Toronto just scored again, so they're up two. So See, I need, I'm on a delay. Damn. I
1: need,
0: Damn, I need four more, but you know where I went wrong? Vegas decides to come back, and they're about to win that game 6-4. So my really? parlay is blown up. So we, I told we, we, you. We,
1: I told you're right. you. Listen, I told you're
0: you. right. I, you're right. I can say when you're right, and you're right. I, Those parlays are tough.
1: I told you this. I told you this off air. I had, it was a Fox bet promo. It was like three parts of a Joel Embiid thing. He hit all three parts. And I put that together with another odds boost. And it was uh, Crosby to score and the Penguins to win game one. Everything hit. Crosby scored. I'm feeling pretty good. And then what happens? The one time, seriously, the one time that I cheered for the Penguins, they lost. So. That's, that was a good hockey game, though. It was. It was. Yeah, it was not great penalty shots, but a good game. A Very good game.
0: I, I, I just could not believe the Penguins are up three to one and don't win that game. I mean that to me, I, I don't, I don't think they're going to win the series. We're talking about really the games. Don't.
1: You're okay. You're talking about second game.
0: I'm talking about Pittsburgh last night. Yeah, yeah. Montreal. I'm talking about
1: the first game. My bad. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah.
0: Four three Montreal wins the game. Petrie yes. scores the late goal.
1: But we, that independent- that angle, that shot. Can you shot. can you tell people really quickly how hard that shot is? Because it it looks yeah, like it's an impossible it angle, and it goes to- how how hard is that?
0: So here's what I'm going to tell you, and I want and everyone to sort of hear this. And I wish I could like actually physically show this, but think about a hockey stick. Okay, it's probably four feet long. Okay, let's just say on average, maybe four a, a hockey stick's like four feet long. You know, I'm six foot three. My my stick used to come right to my chin, so my stick was probably like five feet long. Okay, the puck—that's
1: a hell of a like, long head, dude. No, no, no. Hold on.
0: Okay, so my you're math six, is you're off.
1: You're six three. It's probably like what five five nine, five ten to your chin.
0: Okay, yeah, I used to use like pretty short.
1: Well, you but just point, you just it, said it, it, six it, it, three and five. That's that would be a one uh, and a foot and three inch. That's that's pretty big head. All right, never mind. Go ahead. Maybe he okay, just got a so giant head. I, leave, I
0: leave my leave math my out of it, okay? All right, all right. I don't, actually. I have a small head. I wear a okay. size small in half. So okay. um, your stick is not in, on the angle of a, of, of a body. 3 in Toronto, by the way. The, the, ni- the 18-year-old kid, Robertson. You're like score.
1: 25 seconds ahead of me. This is the problem with cord cutting. Is I still <laughs> haven't gotten to the goal. Go ahead, continue. I'll just interrupt you on this.
0: <laughs> so speak. that shot by Jeff Petrie is an incredible shot. And what what you have to realize when you're watching that is it looks like he doesn't have an angle. But as you know, as a goalie knows, you're not lining up to a player's body. You're lining up to a stick. And the stick is far away from your body. When your hands are extended, you've got arm reach and you've got the length of your stick. So when it looks like there's no daylight on that shot by Jeff Petrie, there is a little bit of daylight. And, you know, Matt Murray gave him just enough Robertson, he, he scores!
1: Yeah. You're the Maple delayed. Leafs are up 3-0 to as... Jeez. Go ahead. I, that was, I told, you, my, I just I told you
0: Toronto was going to break out offensively tonight. You did. I did say that. You did. You're, you're right. You're I had right. feeling.
1: 100% right. You I'm did usually say that. I'm
0: wrong. I was... Oh, they're changing the goalies too. So,
1: are they? Um, no. They are. Yep, oh, yep. boy. What does that mean for the long-term stability of the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets? We'll take your calls Yeah, next. I mean... I,
0: I'll tell you right now, uh, Toronto's going to be a tough team in the first round for whoever draws them, too. They, they got some horses, Wow, you've already
1: killed off Columbus.
0: I, I don't foresee Toronto losing this series. I think okay. they win this game, and I think they take care of business. I do. I, I thought in the first game with Toronto that they lost was one of the better efforts that they've had this season. Okay. Because if you'd have told me Toronto was only going to give up two goals a game in the playoffs – I'd say they're going to compete for a Stanley Cup if they only give up two. Because when does Toronto only give up two? I mean, they're usually a nightmare defensively. So yeah. so you got to kind of look a little deeper into the fact they lost that first game, but that goaltender played out of his mind. Um, but so that shot is an incredibly gifted shot. Not a lot of guys can make that shot. That short side, you know, elbow of the net type of shot, sometimes like between the goalie's head and his shoulder. Um, but... what's deceiving is that a a guy's stick, the puck, the arm length, the arm span, it's a different angle than a player's body. So sometimes you see it a lot on a two-on-one when a guy's on on his offside on a two-on-one where you think, oh, this guy doesn't have a good angle at the net, but his stick is actually lined up with the middle of the net. He's got a great angle with the net, and and you got to push him off that angle because it's deceiving between a player's body and where the puck is. And that's all I have to say on that. That took me a little while to get that out. But, you know, I'm used to having TV and I can cheat and use my hands, you know? A little,
1: little Forrest Gump there. And that's all I got to say about that. All right. Well, <laughs> a lovely time. I don't even know how long the show went. This was a pretty long one, but I think it's okay. People are riding high. The flyers are looking good. We've got the press row you show just coming. You edit we'll, me we'll, out. No, it's fine. Wait, why would we edit? <laughs> Listen, uh, I, I was going to tell you, though, we do have the video here. Theoretically, we could have had you do the whole thing but your legs taken up a third of the screen, six <laughs> foot three problems, you know? Um, so anyway, we'll be back on Saturday, the press row show. Uh, make sure that you follow it. It's going to be on um, the snow, the goalie, Twitter account at snow, the goalie it will be over on Facebook at snow, the goalie. It'll be on at joy on broad at Ansan Philly. Maybe Colby will be there. Don't know. Trying to figure out the schedule. We'll do the press row show and then the post game show of the press row show will probably serve as the podcast for that day. So that'll all hit the the podcast feed. So wherever you get this podcast, don't worry. If you can't catch us live over on Twitter and Facebook and YouTube live, we will have the show hitting the podcast feed. You can join us live. We'll be taking questions and comments and concerns all throughout, but. Uh, that will hit your podcast feed this weekend. You can find us in one of two places, uh, over on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Google play music, Google podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, remember there are two, there are two snow, the goalie feeds. One is the crossing broad feed, which is the original. And then the other one is the hockey podcast network where you can get the show. It comes out a little bit later. It's the second feed to get it. It's syndicated. We love it. We love the Hockey Podcast Network. You can get it there as well. The logo is the same. Feeds are the same. One gets the show a little bit earlier than the other. Subscribe to both if you want. Help support both uh, both sides of the show. But for Colby, who you can find on Twitter, by the way, and we'll link it in the description of this episode, you can find Colby over on Twitter. And you should follow him. And you should, uh, you know, trash talk him so that his girlfriend and his mom come to his defense. He's at ColbyCohen36. (laughs) I'm Russ at Broad. Make sure you follow us over on uh, Twitter at Snow the Goalie, Instagram at Snow the Goalie, Facebook.com slash Snow the Goalie. And don't forget, we have the uh, Flyers playoff swag giveaway. We're going to be giving away the five playoff shirts to five different winners. All you have to do is go over and either uh, like and retweet the tweet from the Snow the Goalie account. I had one, Anthony also had one at San Philly, or go over to Facebook or to Instagram on those pages and share or like that picture and follow the account. And You'll be entered to win bonus entries if you follow each of those accounts. And, uh, and share it out. So for Colby, I'm Russ. We'll talk to you Saturday. Flyers are looking good, friends. We'll talk to
0: you then.